Did you hear that? She brought coffee, but not for me. Amen. Lord, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. All right, Grace, come on down. For it is time to take up an offering. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your tithes and offerings that you're bringing into this place. We thank you, Lord God, for your promises. Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, for your provisions. We thank you, Lord God, for your healing. And we just pray, Lord God, that you would continue to work in our midst always. Lord God, Lord, as we were singing up here, Lord, Lord, you never stop working. Amen? Never stop working on our behalf. And, Lord, we give you all the praise and honor and glory, Lord God, that you are working and that you are interceding for us and that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Lord, is our advocate, Lord God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We just pray your blessings over our finances. We cover it by the blood of Jesus. Lord God, we cover this tithes and offerings by your blood. And we pray for your protection upon it and upon our, our homes and our families and our children and grandchildren throughout all the generations you've allotted us that are represented here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Thank you, Lord. All the time. I want to share with you. I got a lot of scripture. I'm going to go back and forth with. Well, I'm going to start out in Ephesians. 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 Chapter 1. Verses 1 through 14. Praise be to God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one, He loves. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin, sins, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace, 
that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment. To bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were chosen, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions to the praise of his glory. Father, I thank you, Lord, and praise you for this reading. I praise you and thank you, Lord God, for this day. I pray for your anointing upon this service, that, Lord, you would speak through me. And, Lord God, that you would speak to your people. And that our eyes and our ears would be open to receive all that you have for us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Being chosen. Being predestined. Do you know what predestined means? That God has a purpose that is determined long before it is brought to pass. This implies that God is infinitely capable of planning. That's a word I do not like. If you ask my wife, starts with P, planning. I am not a good planner. I am off the cuff, Chris. Okay? I like to do things at the spur of the moment. When I have the energy, and when I don't have the energy, I do nothing. Period. I sleep. But planning is one of my weaknesses. And that is not what God intended for my life. Amen? Or yours. Because God is a planner. We too should be planning. So let me read that again. This implies that God is infinitely capable of planning and then bringing about what he has planned. That means we, we as in you and me, have a purpose. We, the people of God, have a purpose. We, the people of God, have a predestination to fulfill. What is that destination? Or what is that... Destiny, you might call it. 
One of them, I read to you, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, or in Ephesians 1, verse 4, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. So he chose us to be holy, to be blameless in love. He also chose us to praise Ephesians verse chapter 1 verse 12. It says this in the reading. In order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. In order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. To praise. To praise his glory. Amen? That's one of our things that we are supposed to be doing. That we're predestined to do. I want to read to you First Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. It also says in First Peter chapter one and two. Got to get it here because I didn't mark it because I got so many scriptures. First Peter chapter one. It says to God's elect. That's you and me, right? To God's elect. We've been chosen by God. We've been elected by God. We also read there in Ephesians that we have a mark or a seal, right, placed on us by God. And we have a deposit, a guarantor, a guarantor, you can say. That's the Holy Spirit. Do you know that sometimes when you get a loan, that sometimes you've got to have a guarantor of your loan, somebody to guarantee that you're going to pay that back. Like a co-signer. They call it a guarantor. They're guaranteeing that, that you are going to fulfill your promises. In keeping that loan. But in 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 through 2, it says, God's, to God's elect. That's us. And, and Julie talked about this this week to me. She said, we're strangers in the world. She actually quoted scripture when she said that. We're talking, we're not supposed to be part of this world. We're supposed to be separate of this world. We're strangers to this world. We come from a higher world, right? A heavenly one. To God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithany, who have been chosen. There is the word again. We've been chosen. According to the foreknowledge of God. See, there's God's plan again. It's the foreknowledge of God that he chose you, that he predestined you. 
God, see, God knew who you were. I'm going to get to that in Jeremiah 1, verse 5. God knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. He predestined you. I'll read it exactly later on. But God chose you according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. For what? There's there's another one here. For obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by His blood. So God sanctified us through the through the sanctifying work of the spirit he sanctified us for obedience to who to his son Jesus amen that means we need to be obedient to Jesus to God's law not man's amen so that's another thing that God chose you for is for obedience in 2 Timothy, sure I got it right. 2 Timothy 1 through 9, let's see, i get the scripture here, I might not have wrote it down. I'm going too far. I get coffee now, Hallelujah. 2 Timothy. Second Timothy chapter one, verse nine. Be holy. Let's see. I got it right. I believe I do. Who has? Let's see. Who has? I got nine crossed out here. <laughs> got it underlined. Who has saved us and called us? Yes, to be holy. Who has saved us and called us to be? So God is chosen us, he's predestined us, he's saved us to be obedient, to be holy, to give him praise, to be blameless. Correct? I will. I'll read it from chapter 8. Listen. So do not be ashamed, verse 8, to testify about our Lord. Or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to be to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. See, that's God's plan, isn't it? Isn't that amazing? That God had a plan before the beginning of time. God knew before the beginning of time. So when did time actually start, right? It started with Adam, then in the garden. Before Christ. 
B.C. time started with Adam in the garden. So, so God had a plan from before time. God had it all planned out before the beginning of time, before even Adam was in the garden. He had a plan. He had a plan when they were in Egypt, right? And he rose up Moses. God had a plan. Miraculous plan. Deliverer plan. God had a plan when he sent Jesus to the cross for the redemption of sin. God had a plan. And God has a plan for when he returns again here on this earth and he sets up his kingdom on earth. God has a plan. You see, we might look at the world right now and see its turmoil, see its chaos, see everything that's going on, seeing cities being yeah, destroyed, being burned. We're seeing areas being marked out as autonomous zones. God has a plan. What is his plan? His plan is like we saying, it's working all the time. Isn't it? God's working all the time. We might not see his plan, and we don't see it clearly, because we can't clearly see until we go to heaven. It's like my glasses right now are pretty dirty. If I look up into the light, you can see them. I can't really clearly see. But you know, that's how we are on this earth right now. We can't clearly see God's plan. Amen? Amen? But God is working His plan. And His plan was all worked out before the beginning of time. And His plan includes you in that plan. Isn't that amazing? That God, the creator of the universe, who knows all things, who's created all things, who set all things in motion, who is the beginning, who is the creator of time. You know, think about that for a second. The creator of time. You know, I, when I think of things like this, I think of when he talked to Job. You know how, like, when he talked to Job, he said, who are you? Who, where were you when I set the stars in motion? Where were you when I told the land, the seas, to depart and here's land? Where were you when I gave the earth light? You know, I think of all these things when he was speaking with Job. And you think about, even to the littlest detail, you know, even to the littlest detail of geese flying south for the winter. You know, you think about that. God has a plan for even the littlest things. And it's amazing. Think about it, how he created even a seed to fall from a tree to replant and regrow. I mean, God has a plan. Even birth is miraculous. It's miraculous. God has a plan. And you know what the great thing is? Is that we're in that plan. And one of those things in that plan is to do good works. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 10, it says, He's created us 
For we are God's workmanship, right? Created by God. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God has predestined you. He's chosen you. He has good works for you to do that he's predestined for you to do. So God has planned out your whole life. You know, he said that. You know, he told David in one of his psalms, he goes, I've laid out your plan in the presence of your enemies. That means God's laid it all right out, right there, in the, in the, right in the face of the devil. So he like slapped him right in the face. He said, you know what, devil? I've got a plan for all this. You might think you have the power and the authorities of the air, but you really don't because God is the creator of all of it. You know? And then when Jesus came, that rule that Satan had was all broken and shattered. So God had a plan even for him, the destroyer, a long, long time ago. Amen? Oh, I want to read it here. Jeremiah 1.5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Think about that. You're God's favorite. <laughs> Think about it. You're God's favorite. He set you apart, each one individually. And he doesn't love one more than another because he loves us all the same. But to each one, God set apart. Isn't that amazing? Look at this. We all look different, don't we? Except for Julian Grace. <laughs> just kidding but they're different they might look the same but they are totally different personalities aren't they they have totally different aspirations for their life but God has a plan for each one of them and for all you girls and boys out there and for you women and men Girls and boys, for all you girls and boys. God has set you apart. And he knows each one of you by name. And he cares for each one of you by name. And he loves you with all his heart. Just, and he loves all of us with all of his heart. But he loves you with all his heart. Can you imagine what that really is like, being loved with all your heart? Being truly loved with all Someone's heart. You know, it's amazing to think about that. God loves you with all his heart. God's will is not for one to perish, but to all come into the knowledge of the Son of Christ. And God has made a way for all of us to do that. And that's through that redemptive blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. It's through the precious blood of Jesus. The forgiveness of sins. God is a loving and forgiving God. And he loves each one of us. And he knows each one of us. Romans 8, 28 through 38. Romans. Romans 8. There's something about that name. Master, Savior. 
All right, let me see here. Romans 8. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to the purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be what? To be conformed into the likeness of his son. God predestined us to be conformed into the likeness of his son. See, I went on a men's retreat one time with uh, my senior pastor, Pastor Tom. And we had this debate in the car all the way up to Montreal. And that's a pretty long ride. So, and he got so, so mad at me. Because I said to him, I said, Tom, when we go to heaven, what is, what is Jesus going to see? Is he going to see us or is he going to see Jesus? He said, oh, he's going to see Jesus. He's going to see Jesus. I said, well, is he going to see us in our own uniqueness, our own appearances? He goes, nope, he's going to see Jesus. I mean, like, so we all look like Jesus when we go to heaven, so everybody's going to look the same. He goes, everybody's going to look like Jesus. And, you know, and then, and then of course, the judge uh, got involved in it. And um, it was pretty funny. I'm not going to repeat what he said. But he got, he got involved, too, because we are, you know, here I am. I was a fairly, I don't know, new Christian to the gospel. You know, a recovered drug addict. Basically, I'm riding up to Montreal with a, a senior pastor, a judge, and a police investigator. <laughs> and then here I am, you know. And it's it's pretty funny story, but yeah. But so I said, Tom, I said, we, I said, what about how we look? I said, well, you know, I don't want to go up there looking just like Jesus and everybody else looking like Jesus. I said, what about our own personalities? What about our own appearances and stuff? And, and, and Vince said, yeah, you're, you're gonna, God will know who you are when you get to heaven. You'll have your own uniqueness to you and stuff. And Tom said, no, you're going to look like Jesus. You're going to look like Jesus. Well, you know, I thought about this more and more and more what Tom was saying. And, he, and Tom is really right in a way. He's really right. We are going to look like Jesus. But it's not going to be on the outside appearance. It's going to be on the inside. Because each one of us, more and more, are going to be are changed. The closer we get to God, the closer we get to the Word, the closer we get to knowing who Jesus is, the closer we look like, the more we look like Him, right? You know, it's like when I watch uh, Duck Dynasty or something like that, when I turn off the show. My wife says, boy, you sound just like Phil Roberts now, you know? It's kind of like you take on that, you take on that kind of persona of that person. Or, or when I watch Gold Rush and I say, you're looking like a Tony Beats, you know? You're sounding like a Tony Beats now. But the, but the closer and the more time we spend in God's Word, the more time we spend in prayer and worship, the more we're going to look like Jesus, you know? And if I 
measure our, my Jesus meter, where I, where I am is pretty low, where I want to be is pretty high, right? I, 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 most of the time I look like Chris more than I look like Jesus. But we are being changed. For those God foreknow, he also predestined, predestined to be conformed, right? To be conformed to the likeness of his son. So we need to be like his son. We need to be conformed. That means being changed on the inside. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined... He also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. You know, when I think of that glorification, and I think of that process, you know, it's a process. It's a walk. It's a walk of faith. Being called is one thing. So we answer the call. And as we answer the call, God goes through us and works out things in us that need to be worked out. And he justifies us, right? And we're justified because of what Jesus did, because of the blood of Jesus. We've been justified. That means all our sins have been taken away from us. The devil can no longer use those against us because we're covered under the blood. We've been justified by the blood of Jesus. And the more we learn that, you know, it's like, it's like when, you, when you become a Christian, the first thing you've got to do is go to the cross, right? You've got to go to the cross. You've got to ask God for forgiveness of sins. That's that justification thing. You've got to ask God to cleanse you, to make you right, in right standings with Him. But then you have to go through the cross, Right? You have to get beyond the cross to be able to walk into the glory of God. To be glorified. Right? We don't walk in the victory. We got to walk in the victory of what Jesus did because that's where Jesus has taken us. You know, the victory for all of us is eternity in heaven with Jesus. That's the ultimate victory. Heaven. You know, that's like what Paul says, I've run the race. You know, that's set out before me. See, we are going right through the justification, which is the cross, right into the glorification, which is heaven. And that's where we all want to go. We all want to get there. We all want to see the glory of God. We all want to partake in the glory of God. We pray, oh Lord, let your glory fall. But in order for your glory to fall in this place and in your heart and in your lives, you've got to take it to the cross and you've got to get justified first. And you've got to be covered by the blood of Jesus. Right? So that way we can walk off into the victory. And then we can live each day with victory. It's a spiritual battle. That's what it is. It's a spiritual battle, and I'm telling you, because the devil doesn't want you to, first of all, the devil doesn't want you to answer the call. Which is God's calling you out of sin. God calling you 
out of darkness into his light. The devil doesn't want to answer you that. And he's going to put things in your mind that's going to try to hold you back. He doesn't want you to be, what I said earlier, obedient to the Word of God. He doesn't want you to be obedient to the Word of God that God is speaking to you right now. Because God is speaking. He's always working. Right? We sing it. He's working all the time. Never stops working. He's working. He's working to save those. He's working to redeem those. He's working constantly. Right? So, but the devil comes up to you and says, no, 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 no. You can't be cleansed. Nope. You can't go to that church. God forbid you step in the building. You're going to burn the place down. You know? How many times I've heard that, even right here, in my own family. Oh, Lord, if I step into that church, oh, I'm going to catch a fire. I'm going to be a set the thing ablaze. God, praise God if they catch on fire inside of the blaze. Amen? Let them be refined by the refiner, refiner's fire. That's why I look at it. Let the refiner's fire work. But that's what we got to do. So we got to go to the cross. But we can't stay at the cross. Because God's calling us beyond the cross to walk in the victory, to get into the glory of God. But we can't have that glory until we take, you know, there's a process. Answer the call. Go to the cross, get justified, be sanctified, be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Leave all your sins, sorrows, and shame right there at the foot of the cross. Cast all your cares on Him because He cares for you. Take up His burden, His, his yoke. His yoke is light. His burden is light. See, what we do is we cast on our own burdens. We take on the world's burdens. We take on the world's cares, you know. And we try to solve them ourselves, and we get in big trouble doing it. We don't take them to God. We don't leave them at the cross, you know. And that's a lot of people, Christians today, even myself, get stuck at the cross, you know. I take on cares and burdens and, and things still. Instead of leaving them at the cross so that I can step out and walk into the glory that God has intended. Or the victory that God has for all of us. And trust me, I'm not diminishing the cross by no means. You have to go through the cross. There's no other way. But there's more. See, Jesus, after the cross, what did he do? He didn't even look the same when he came back. After he rose on the third day, his disciples didn't even recognize him because he was glorified. Right? Praise the Lord. But we're more than conquerors. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How well will how how will let me see. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? When who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? Think about that. Who will bring any charge against those God has chosen? I tell you, the devil tries to. But you know what? We can't let them take us there. Because we've been chosen by God. We can't let it hold us back. Because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. See, it says here, 
God is, it is God who justifies. See, we try to go back to where we set our own justifications on a lot of things. And we look for justification from other people instead of from God. But it is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So let me go back to you so you can understand this scripture. Who is he who condemns? Christ Jesus who died. Why does he condemn? Because people do not believe that he died and rose again. So they are condemned. Until they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Until they accept the truth. They're condemned. And it's terrible. They're condemned to death. Because they don't believe the gospel. They don't believe the truth. They don't believe that Jesus died and rose again on the third day. So they're, and it's not that, it's not that God condemns them. They condemn themselves. They condemn themselves because they refuse to believe the truth. Period. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep led to the slaughter. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor the any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. So nothing in creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So nothing in creation. There is no demonic power. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Every one of us here today has been called by God, has been marked by God, has a seal placed upon them, has a guarantor. That's the deposit of the Holy Spirit. But there are powers out there that are against you and that are against your calling. That will do anything to keep you away from the love of God. They will do anything. But we know there's nothing that can keep us the love of God away from us. There's nothing that would keep the love of God away from us. But there are things out there that will keep you from that love of God. Let me clarify that. And his plan and his destiny for you. In Second Timothy, chapter three, verses one, and I'm going to read one. 
all the way to chapter 4, verse 8. It says this, and I put this in here because these are the days, this is why it's so pertinent because these are the days we are living in right now. And you can see that throughout the world. You can see it when you turn on the TV and you see the turmoil that this nation is in. And it's not just the nation, it's the world. It says, but you know why it's the world? Because we're living in these end times. We're living in uh, times that are the last days. I believe it. We see all these things happening. Remember I told you, it's like crunch time. Everything's happening all at once. Pestilence, plagues, riots, wars, earthquakes, famines, you name it. Everything that Jesus said in Matthew 24, it's happening. And it's not just happening once here, once there, in 10 years. It's happening all at one time. Right? But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous. I mean, self, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Now, let me just say, this was written about, oh, almost 2,000 years ago. Isn't that amazing? This is what he said, in the last days. That means 2,000 years ago, he's prophesying right now. He's prophesying. He's seeing the future. I don't know about you, but when I watch, turn on the TV and watch the news, I see all of this unfolding right before our eyes. It says, They are the kind who worm their way into the homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never acknowledging the truth. You see, this is what's amazing with this scripture too. Always learning but never acknowledging the truth. Listen, where is it? Right here. You don't know anything, you can just ask Google, right? You don't know the definition of that, you just look it up right here. We're always learning. There are people out there that are always learning. Right? But they never acknowledge the truth. And the truth is the word of God. The truth is that Jesus died on the cross and rose again on the third day. The truth is that his, that his blood covers all our sins and washes us white as snow. But they don't want to acknowledge that truth. Right? I mean, it's becoming harder... You go out there and you start to witness about Christ and these riots. You might not come back alive. I'm just saying, you know. But to die is gain, like Paul said. But you want to make sure you're doing the right thing, right? That God's really called you, if that's what he's called you to do, to do. 
Because I'm telling you, they won't listen. Their ears have been stopped. Their eyes have been shut. And their hearts have been hardened. And that's what it says will happen in the last days. So you really want to be wise. And you really want to understand what God has called you to do. Because we are supposed to go out and make nations. Take nations unto God. And I believe there is a timing for everything. Always learning, but never able to acknowledge the truth. There has been an increase in knowledge in these last few years. It's been amazing. It's amazing. It's the increase of knowledge that's at the touch of our fingers for every one of us. Every one of us here has a smartphone now. Just as James and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men opposed the truth. Men of deprived minds, who as far as the faith is concerned are rejected, but they will not get very far because in the, because in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, my patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconum, and Lystria. The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everyone. That's not, nobody's excluded in that scripture. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise. Listen to that. Able to make you, read the word, it's able to make you wise. The more you, you want to get wise, read the word. There's wisdom. Able to make you wise. For salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good works. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. And this is what I believe we're in right now. There's a time that men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires... 
They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And I say that's what's happened in our colleges, on campuses, that's in the news. They've gathered around teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. It says they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths, right? Which is so amazing to think about. They turn aside from truth and turn to myths. But yet, they would rather believe a myth than believe the Word of God. But you keep your head in all situations. This is where we need to be wise, right? This is where we need to keep our heads in all situations. Endure hardships. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day. And not only to me, not only to me, Paul says, but also to all, to all who have longed for his appearing. I'm telling you, soon we're going to see Jesus coming over those clouds. Soon, any day now, with everything that's going on. Any day, we're longing for his appearance to come. That's going to be a great day. A great day for those who are called and who are predestined, who have been chosen, who are living a blameless life, who are being obedient to the word and to God. That's going to be a great day. But it's going to be a terrible day for those that have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That doesn't mean there's not hope for them, because there's hope through the tribulation for those that are left. They're going to have to endure hardships and things that we haven't even seen yet, and we don't even know what's coming. We know it's bad now. It's going to be way worse when you read the book of Revelation, when you get to the great tribulation. 2 Thessalonians 5 verse 9 says this, For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, God's will is not for one to perish, but to all come into the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature person. God's will is not for one of us to go to hell. God's will is not for one of us to be destined for wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ. That's what God's will is. He's given us all a choice. 
And the choice is all ours. It's all yours. It's mine. Are we going to serve God and be obedient? Are we going to walk in His calling that He's predestined for us? Are we going to follow the plan God has laid out before us in the presence of our enemies? Or are we going to be pulled away, tossed by every wave to and fro? Are we going to be pulled away because of our own selfish desires? My prayer is not that one of us here would ever be pulled away. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Let's stand for the blessing. And I'll close. Thank you, Lord. Lord, there's nothing better than you. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And may you have a blessed day. I thank you, Lord, for each person that came today. I pray that you would bless them abundantly, that you would speak to them. And Lord God, that you would go before us this day and this week and that you would lay out your plan for this week that we would be obedient to your word, to your voice, that we would follow you that we would walk in our destiny. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.